Hello, Patreon awesomes, our favorite people on the planet. Kelly and I are here today because a topic came up with an Instagram that I posted last week that just got a lot of response, and it made me feel like this was something that we needed to be talking about as women. Among our awesome community, it just feels like something that uh, needs to be addressed a little more specifically. So what I posted about on Instagram was about a time in my life four years ago when I had little tiny babies, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I was having such a hard time. I was really, really struggling mentally and emotionally, and I was thinking in my mind about all of these ways that I could maybe get help. Maybe I needed to be on medication. Maybe I was depressed. Maybe I was medically ill and needed to see a doctor. Like my body was breaking down, but but even more than my body, actually, my mental and emotional life was really bad. I was very weepy. Um, my husband was away, which I think was part of the problem. He'd been away for a long time making a movie. And I realized through a series of things, it was just a really bad season, but I realized through a series of things that my number one problem was the most obvious thing on the table that I hadn't addressed, and that was my extreme sleep deprivation. So, Kelly, hi. I should have said hi, hi. at the beginning. Oh, it's okay. I'm totally here tracking with you. I'm uh, nodding my little head off because I, I agree. This is such an important topic. So my... In my story, what had happened was that earlier in that winter, my son, who had been a great sleeper as an infant, both of my kids were great sleepers as infants, and then when my son hit a little bit after his one-year mark, I have theories about what happened. One was that my husband was away, and I I think that he just had some, you know, could notice there were some changes in the mm-hmm. house. I also think, looking back, there were some things I didn't address about his crib situation. I think he might have been cold. Like there's a lot of things that when you're just not thinking clearly, you you can't even like solve the problem. But anyway, he um, started waking up in the night. Like at first it was once, you know, and I'd give him a bottle and then, and then it got to be twice. And then we came to our lake house for the summer like we do every year. And by that time, he was in such distress. He was waking up almost every hour on the hour. Wow. That's and a lot. It was a lot. And I was solo parenting. And so I, you know, couldn't trade off getting up with him. And so I was getting up with him and, and he would settle back down, but he was waking so much. So neither he nor I were getting chunks of sleep. And so during the day, he was very fussy. Of course, you know, he would cry a lot. And then I was a disaster. <laughs> and... I knew that this was a problem. The sleep thing was a problem. I was obviously not unaware of that. I did not know. I mean, it took months, Kelly. It took so long for me to realize that this very obvious thing was the key to all these other things that were going wrong with my body, with my emotions. Because people in my life, my mom, my sister, my friends, who knew that um, my son was having the sleep problems, when I would say to them what a hard time I was having, they would point to the sleep immediately. I mean, other people outside of myself would say, you're not getting enough sleep. And I had, I had gotten into this place that I think a lot of us do as women and as moms, where I thought I was handling it. Like I really did. I didn't want to look like I 
couldn't handle my child. I didn't want to look like I couldn't handle it with my husband away, like that I, you know, needed somebody or whatever. And so I was like, no, I mean, yes, I'm tired, but that's not it. <laughs> like, right. That is not the problem. Right. These other things are the problem. And, you know, I thought it might be hormonal. I started taking supplements. I, you know, I started to treat a lot of things, put Band-Aids on a lot of different things, none of which were bad, of course. Supplements are fine. I started therapy. Therapy changed my life. That's amazing. That's been a good byproduct. But I was trying to, like, treat all these other things when in hindsight, when I look back is when I really started to heal and when things started to really get uh, lighter in my life, like have a light instead of such darkness, it was when I started to sleep. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, I think, to me, is that – probably like depression. I think you can't tell that you're sleep deprived because you're so sleep deprived. You know, when you get into that vortex, it's like you, you're so deep into it. You're like, no, that can't possibly be it. It's got to be something else. You know, I've said maybe even on the regular podcast before, there's this really funny thing I saw in a hotel one time. They had a buffet downstairs for breakfast, but they have a coffee pot in your room. And the sign in front of it says, because sometimes you need a cup of coffee to go down and get a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I'm funny. always like, that's how it feels when you're in the midst of something. Like you you need more sleep to be able to recognize how badly you need more sleep. No, I know. And there's it's not a quick fix either, sleep deprivation. It's not like you can get one really good night, which would happen. My sister flew out to help me um, and to visit me. And, you know, so when she was here, we took turns with the baby. And so, and I think maybe even she took him for one whole night. Anyway, so I, I got one or two good nights of rest. And then I was like, okay, that's it. I'm refreshed. Everything is better. (laughs) And that, that solved it that weekend of having a good night of sleep. And that is simply not true. Like, you know, it's going to manifest in people in all kinds of different ways. But for me, what I have talked about on the regular show is uh, I have a lot of anxiety and have always had a lot of anxiety. And when I started going to therapy and we talked through the kind of things that made anxiety worse for me or better or whatever, the number one thing, when I track back my whole life, the number one thing is sleep and rest. I need more sleep than most people. Even when I was a teenager and teenagers sleep 12 hours a night or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing as they're growing and developing. Like I have always needed more rest than everyone else I know. So even as I grew up, you know, out of those teen years in college and things, um, when people start to even out and they need their seven or eight hours, whatever is suggested for a normal adult, I really function best on nine hours of sleep. Yeah. And when you – look, there are times in life when I'm never going to get nine hours of sleep. When I have little babies, that was definitely unrealistic. But even just saying, okay, this is what I need to move forward in my life or even recognizing this is what feels best in my body, even though this is not like what society tells us or what even, you know, medical thing says is optimum – this is working for my body and I need to move towards it. But before I could even get to that and and what I really wanted to talk about today and what I want you to share your story is I feel like 
a lot of times in our mental and emotional health, there are some things that are like the spokes on the wheel, the very most basic, basic things Mm -hmm. that we um, brush off as being, well, that part's not important. What I really need is to, you know, do something extreme or or whatever, like I need to go completely paleo or I need to like deep dive into all the therapy of my past or whatever. Right. None of those things are wrong. Paleo is not wrong. Therapy is wonderful. And, you know, medication is necessary for a lot of people. I also think that we need to address some real basics that just get skipped over and sleep is one of them. I totally agree. And I think that this is one of the things that at least in the Western world, sleep is not a priority. And maybe it's because we're always looking for that new thing. I I sometimes think that people are like, well, sleep is so boring. You know, like it is that like, okay, maybe it's a spoke in the wheel. I want I want some new or easier or sexier fix for my problem, you know, whatever it might be. So I feel like for me, Sleep was one of those things that, like most people, I don't need that much. Oh, I don't need much sleep. Like I can, I can survive on six hours, you know, because you did in college or something mm-hmm. like that. And you think that that's quote unquote normal. And then because now you're becoming an adult and you think that the way you feel on six hours of sleep or whatever is, is normal, you know, because you're like, well, that's just what I do. Right? And you might even get into a rhythm of your body thinking that that's normal, you know, like you wake up or whatever. It wasn't until I started to work in the TV news business. Obviously, there's a lot of us who work overnights for the morning news. So I worked overnights for a brief time when we lived in Phoenix and then for about two solid years in San Diego um, where I would do overnights like Monday through Friday. And then I would switch to sleeping at night on the weekends so that I could see my husband and then switch back. So that meant, you know, like on Fridays, I would sleep most of the day or sleep a few hours and then sleep Friday night sleep Saturday night. And then Sunday, I'd be up for like 24 hours, try to take a nap or something. I mean, I was so screwed up. Um, I couldn't sleep well. Obviously, Southern California is very, very sunny. So it's very hard to truly get those blackout shades. I never really, again, thought I was a person that was super dependent on light. Oh, you know, you just sleep during the day. I found out I am very dependent on that light, dark cycle that our bodies are primed to. I could not go to sleep during the day, even though I was exhausted. Even if I made my curtains, you know, as dark, my room as dark and as peaceful as I could, I couldn't sleep for much more than four or five hours maximum during those times when I was working overnight. So the chronic sleep deprivation, you know, by the end, I was getting to the point where exactly what you're talking about. I was so moody. I was weepy all the time. I was a basket case of emotional mess. And I remember there was this kind of light bulb moment. And I say it now, it sounds so funny. But at the time, it was completely serious, you guys. I was driving to work one night, so tired, and wishing that I didn't have to go to work, even though I loved what I did. And I love the people that I worked with. I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to sleep. And so I was like, if I just you know, Southern California is very, very hilly, lots of canyons. And I had this real thought, if I just juggled my steering wheel here just a little bit, I would crash down this hill. And I would get to go to the hospital and sleep. Like, I would have an excuse, I wouldn't have to just call in sick again to work and like let people down. I have a real excuse, I would be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And there was a little part of my brain that went, Oh, that sounds wonderful. And then there was another part of my brain that went, Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Like you are 
you were really thinking about crashing your car so that you can get some sleep that's justified? Like, we have officially crossed a line here. So it was that that pushed me into, again, it had been two years at that point. I had kind of served my dues. I went to my bosses and said, I'm, like, clinically losing it. I have to go to a different shift. And they were very supportive and they're like, absolutely, let's, you know, promote you up. We'll move you to the five o'clock news and boom, I was done. But here's something that happened that I found. I went from being chronically sleep derived to very quickly, I ended up on the 11 o'clock news, which meant that I worked like a second shift sort of hours. So I didn't have to go to work till two. So now I didn't have to get up for work. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would go to bed really late, which was is kind of my natural body clock. I'm more of a night owl. But then I was able to sleep until I woke up like I didn't have my day didn't start first. I had like my free time first. Mm -hmm. So then I just let my body sleep. And all of a sudden, for maybe the first time in my life since I was a kid, I started to sleep like nine to ten hours and I would wake up and feel rested. And after probably a month of that. My emotional and mental equilibrium had shifted so dramatically. Mm -hmm. I was suddenly stable and able to handle things. I wasn't impatient anymore. I I didn't cry at the drop of a hat. Um, It was a dramatic shift. And that really was what started me down this road of saying, wait a minute. I didn't know I needed this much sleep. You know, I thought I could do six hours. I think now it's probably eight hours. If I do eight hours and I'm steady with eight hours, that's perfect for me. Although I still like to nap. So that's, you know, adding on 20 minutes to an hour, depending on if I'm tired. But it really clued me into not only do I need more sleep than I think I need. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, like the American myth would say that we need, like, because we're supposed to be invincible, I think, especially as women, um, but just, you know, working all the time. But the difference and how good I could feel if I'm truly getting rest. Mm-hmm. It helped me to make that prioritization, you know, to say, wait, I, I want to feel this good all the time. I-, I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know that I could actually be able to handle all of daily life's irritations without freaking out or, you know, just roll with the punches more and, and just be stable is how I felt more instead of always having each wave hit me, push me under. Mm-hmm. It was a really eye-opening sort of experience. It's funny that you said that about irrational thoughts because I had something similar, not that I wanted to crash my car in order to rest, but (laughs) I would get really uh, irrational ideas that I thought sounded good, similar. So I would be like, okay, we have to move. We cannot live here anymore. (laughs) We have to move. Like big life changes that I would want to make or these big things. And and they, I could almost like justify them in a way, except thank goodness I had to partner to be like, no, we're not going to move. <laughs> right. But I really think my deep self-conscious part of me was saying something has to change. We, we have to change something really, really mm-hmm. big, you know, and, and so I would just try to find that in whatever it was. Oh, I need to start a new project. I need to move. I need to do all of these things. Something, something's got to change instead of like, again, the most obvious things. And I see moms, and I know your story has nothing to do with you being a mother, but mine does. So I I tie that a Mm -hmm. lot into how I think about it. But I see moms who, um, I don't, I don't like the word blame, but like who are, who are, seeing some of their irrational behaviors and maybe they do see it or they can see that they're impatient with their kids or they can see um, 
that something is not ideal about their scenario. <laughs> like really, really not ideal. And everybody's so quick to look for, like you were saying, the quick fixes. Like it drives me nuts that screen time, like you being on your phone too much, is often the blame for any myriad of yeah. ailments that we have. Um, yeah, I kind of share that little pet peeve. It's just like the thing right now that everybody wants to point to is yes. being, well, that has to be the culprit. Our our phones are causing us all of our angst and depression and hormone swings and eye problems and and bad parenting <laughs> and like all of the things that has to do with and our neck strength. wrinkles, neck wrinkles. Okay, listen, the <laughs> neck wrinkle thing is real. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying. Um. <laughs> And sometimes I just want to say, look, yes, maybe maybe you are on your phone too much and you're feeling convicted by that or whatever, but also let's just look to our health. It's like people who um, really struggle with, I don't know, their, their body image or whatever, and they just want a quick fix. They have to go completely extreme instead of being like, or we could just do some basics like protein and fruits and vegetables. <laughs> well, that doesn't right. sound very right. fun. Exactly. Like, I already know that. Or you may have even tried it to some degree and you think, oh, I don't know. I think that sometimes those basic things, like you said, those really, you already technically know it. I mean, everybody knows sleep is important. Um, I don't know why we don't turn to those first. And I totally agree. We're talking amongst friends here, right? I mean, these are our Patreon people. So we can say this. It does. It drives me a little bit nuts when people are saying, oh, all these things are wrong in my life, so I'm going to go do this crazy extreme thing when you're saying, hey, you're not even eating healthy, you know, or you're not sleeping very well for whatever reason. You know, maybe you're not going to bed on times. You're like, I understand completely why moms go, oh, you know, I I need to stay up late because it's my only time. But at the same time, you have to recognize you are depriving yourself of some really basic thing. If we weren't breathing well, if we said, well, I'm just going to breathe through this plastic bag or something, you know, that's going to affect us. And so sleep is the same thing. It's really basic, but we need to be tending to it. But here's the deal, Kelly. I think why uh, people, women, moms, can say, I'm going to turn off my phone or I'm going to give up all grains or whatever is because that is something they can control. Where there are some parts of our sleep, when I look back, I couldn't control what my son was doing. Now, like I said, there are things I wish that I could have have changed up about why he wasn't sleeping so well. Um, I mean, I I desperately wish that for both of us – that developmental time in his life, I wish I had done it better. And definitely for myself, I wish I had addressed it better. But in general, and working with what I had in the moment, I couldn't, I, I could not control that he was waking up all the time. <laughs> like, I, if right. I could have controlled it, I would have stopped it. And so it's easier to do these extreme things during the day when you can't really control what's going on with your kid or at night. And so do you have any thoughts not necessarily about my kid, but like how a person can, um, you know, if they're hearing this or if they've known before, like I, I do need to address my sleep problem, but like I, I can't because my kid does this or my dog does this or my husband works nights or whatever. You know what I mean? Like what do you think people can do 
to try and help themselves, at least baby steps? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I do think that there are some things that are outside of our control. And so we do have to give ourselves, I don't know if grace is the right word, you know, just to be able to say, I can't control all of this. And listen, I know there are people out there who just have sleep issues, you know, their body will not rest into sleep. And so that's super frustrating, too. So I recognize that there's, this is what we're talking about here on one level is important, but there are mitigating circumstances that make this a very complex topic. I Mm -hmm. do understand that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that what we're trying to say and encourage, hopefully in in a positive way, is just being able to recognize how important sleep is. And so then encouraging you to do what you can do, what you can control to make sure it is a priority. So I know for me, um, because I knew what that sleep deprivation felt like, once I had kids, and I never thought I would be a granola-y, crunchy person, I was not going down that road, very, very quickly in my parenting journey, I started to co-sleep. And that was only because I needed to sleep. I didn't want to have to get out of bed to go feed the baby and sit in a rocking chair and then put the baby back in the bed. It was easier And of course, I did it with all the safety precautions and all that. But to have that baby really close to me, I could pretty much nurse in my sleep Mm. or deal with in my sleep. And then I think that my babies and even as they got older, they slept better because of all the things, you know, they were next to me. So I did something that at the time I didn't tell a lot of people about because I felt like it wasn't something I was supposed to be doing. Mm. It was still not very popular, but I did what I needed to do to get sleep. Like to me, I was like, no, I'm going to do whatever it takes kind of to be able within normal sort of safety boundaries, obviously, to be able to get the sleep that I need. And I think napping, um, giving myself permission, I think that's the other big thing that I would say is is of advice. I'd love to hear what you say, um, is giving myself permission and maybe even having the discipline to enforce it. So saying you are tired, take a nap, when the baby or the toddler naps or when the older kids are having quiet time or screens, um, don't let society's pressure of productivity and what it means to, you know, be a successful working woman um, push you into saying, I, I'm going to deprioritize sleep and prioritize this thing. You know, sleep is going to be the fuel that keeps all those other things going. So if you can either, whether it's going to bed on time and not staying up late taking a nap in the afternoon, you know, that fuel that you are giving your body, you are going to be able to do more in less time than sleep depriving yourself. Mm-hmm. It takes so much more energy for your brain even to think, to be creative and all those things. So really just giving yourself permission and then maybe taking the little steps that you can of making it a discipline in your life of saying, no, I really think this is important. This is really going to pay off in the end because it will. What would you say? I mean, that's a really good question. What I wish I had done differently now is ask specifically for help Um, Mm -hmm. and not like from my sister who came for the weekend, although that was wonderful. And I do think while it doesn't solve the chronic problem, even a few days of rest did give me some clarity in, in some things that happened going forward of like, okay, this is really, has gotten really bad. I wish that why didn't I call the doctor, like the pediatrician? When my, If your child, if your 18-month-old is waking up every hour on the hour, not normal. Super, super right. not normal. And I should have called the pediatrician and said, 
this is happening. You know, what do I do? And explain the circumstances. You know, maybe she would have walked me through uh, some, you know, some different feeding choices I was making, the temperature of the room. I don't even, who knows what she would have said. I can't put those words in her mouth. But I wish that I had talked it through with someone who was a professional or at least neutral. Sometimes, like I said, when people pointed out to me, I think you're not getting enough sleep because they could see I was acting really crazy. You you don't always hear it from the person Mm -hmm. that's right next to you. Like, you're like, you don't know Mm -hmm. me. You, I'm doing fine. (laughs) But (laughs) that's so funny. We do do that. Or, you know, like if your, if your spouse says it to you and then you'd be like, no, I'm not saying that because I'm sleep deprived. I'm saying that because you are wrong, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe that's just my marriage. I don't know. But you know, I'm, I'm laughing because it's like, don't tell me that I am hormonal. Right. I am not sleep deprived. You know, it's like all of those things where you're like, well, maybe I am. But now that you've said it, no, you're just being a jerk. That's right. So, you know, it, if I had talked to someone about it that could have been objective mm-hmm. and actually given me some things to try especially with my kid. My biggest thing was I should have addressed what was going on with him that was, um, you know, that he was being this way. Now, listen, on the Instagram post that sort of kicked this off, a lot of people said that their kids went through sort of a season of that and then just like grew out of it, which might totally be true. Maybe there's some developmental things to it, except – there's really where I was, was, was too much. I should have called a pediatrician. I should have called help. What I did do, the, the help I reached out to and that was the game changer was the therapy. I started going to therapy for lots of reasons, but one of them was because I was in a, a bad way. I thought I was in a bad way for all these other reasons. Like I said, I thought I had some family stuff going on. I had all, you know, lifelong anxiety, whatever. I thought I was starting therapy for this, this, these other reasons immediately she seized upon my sleep stuff. I don't even remember why I mentioned Mm. it. And so she was like, oh, let's talk about that. And I was like, aren't we supposed to be talking about my childhood (laughs) or whatever? (laughs) Um, And she immediately, as a professional, tied that to my very high levels of anxiety and angst and and all of that. And I heard it from her differently than I heard it from my mom or whatever. So I did reach out to that help and would encourage anyone else to – it doesn't always have to be medical like I've listed, but like someone that you – is objective, like I said, and that has like true knowledge of it. I, You know, sometimes you get over your friend's pay grade, if you will. Yeah. Um, Well, and you don't listen to them the same way. I think that's a really good point is that – you think they are so close to the situation, kind of like you, you don't trust their advice anymore. You know, you feel so lost that what they're saying is like, no, you couldn't possibly be right. You know, in that irrational sort of way where a outsider somehow can speak into the situation with a fresh voice. Well, and also because I think this is like somewhat of an epidemic mm-hmm. that if you say to your friends, I'm not, I haven't slept. My kid is waking in the night. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, mine did that too. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> That's – I mean, solidarity, sister. I'm glad that we all have friends who can say, yes, isn't this season awful? But like really you you actually need someone to actually help you. Right. Um, right. Which is different than, than margaritas inventing. I love both. 
But <laughs> you really do, I think, need uh, some some help that's that's more tangible than that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm so glad that we talked about this, Kelly. Thank you for taking a minute to jump on and share your own story, to offer hopefully some encouragement and perspective to anybody who might be listening to this and cannot for the life of themselves figure out why they're in a bad way and that they might they might take on more rest as a way to heal their body, mind, and spirit. That's what I'm really hoping that we did with this little episode today. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking is that maybe somebody who's listening to this has that sort of brain fog where they just can't figure out why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And so maybe listening to our voices say, hey, sleep is really important. And maybe it's that just a little light bulb would have gone on over their head and say, hey, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it really is that basic and that fundamental. Um, What can I do? And obviously, like, you know, you said, Lori, you have to ask for help and just figure out what your solutions are, depending on what your situation is. But it is a really big, I do think it's an epidemic. And one of those things that is so basic, we tend to overlook. So I'm hoping that just bringing a little attention to it will help our awesomes. We will probably continue this conversation over in our Hangout community on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You can also tag us and weigh in with your thoughts on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Kelly, where can awesomes who are listening find you? I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Kelly at Lovewell. Those are the best places to find me. That's where I hang out the most. But I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash lovewellblog. I've given up on Facebook. Have I told you this? <laughs> no, you haven't. Good Lord, I'm close to giving up on it. Well, I that, love the hangout group. Like groups are good, but like the rest of it. Same. I pop in on the hangout group. So if we start a good thread there, I will be there. But I am much better found on Twitter at Laura Tremaine or on Instagram at Laura.Tremaine. The show, of course, can be found. What are we on Twitter? <laughs> um, sort of Awesome Pod. Sort of Awesome Pod. And we are Sort of Awesome Show on Instagram. So thanks for listening, you guys. Get some rest.